It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Let's go, back to your huddle. On Giants.com. Tempo, tempo, tempo. And the Giants mobile app. Go, 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 part go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Yeah. Welcome to the Giants huddle podcast as we preview the Giants and Dolphins coming your way on Sunday in Miami. Busy show coming your way today. Bob Papa talks to the head coach of the Giants, Joe Judge. Lance Menno and Paul Dettino talk to Joe Shad, who covers the Dolphins for the Palm Beach Post. And I talk to Giants quarterback, Mike Glennon. But first, a reminder, you can find the Giants Huddle podcast at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and, of course, all of your favorite podcast platforms. All right, let's start off with Giants quarterback, Mike Glennon. Mike, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, let's talk about it. What was this week like for you, getting ready to play, knowing Daniel had the neck injury and we didn't know until Friday until he was going to be good to go? Right, I think there was a kind of heightened expectation that I had to be ready to go. Um, You know, every week you you hear the backup kind of say, prepare like their starter, which is true. You're always watching film, ready to go, um, helping the starter out. But when you know you're you're more than likely you're going to be a guy, there's a kind of a different – level of focus and attention to the details and all that. So uh felt like we had a, a great week of practice and uh, a good week of preparation and excited to get down to Miami. This is also just the second week of having a new play caller in Freddie Kitchen. So does that throw in something a little bit different on top of the, the starting thing? Uh, I mean, maybe a little bit, but, you know, it's not like I ever really worked with, with Jason either. So right. um, I think it's been a, a smooth week, a uh, good week of communication with me and Freddie. Um, I like the game plan he's put together, and um, you know it, it's just been a, a good week of preparation. Speaking generically, without obviously giving away game plan secrets, how much can really change when you change play callers this late in the year when you've installed an offense for basically the better part of eight months? Yeah, I think uh, one is the volume. You know, we cut back on the volume, the amount of plays in, but then the other thing is I've, been, I've had a lot of different offensive coordinators over my career, sure. and, and certain coordinators just gravitate to cer- certain plays. Um, they just you know, they like running, featuring some plays, others like featuring other plays. So, um, you know, Freddie has his own flavor of that, of, of what he likes and his experience. And obviously that's what we're going to do more of. So it's like personnel and just play tendencies more than anything else. I, th- I think also the schematic. Some coaches mm. just like certain concepts. Everyone has similar, you know, when you install the playbook, almost everyone has the same plays. It's just... Some coordinators like running certain plays more than others. Yeah, so against a certain coverage, you go, okay, well, I like to run this as opposed to somebody else. I got you. Okay. Um, Let's talk about this. We've heard a lot of people talk about doing everything you can to get the ball to your playmakers. And I imagine from a quarterback's perspective, yeah, of course, you want to get the ball to your best players, right? But at the same time, you also need to go where the play dictates the ball should go. You don't want to throw to a covered wide receiver when you have an open wide receiver somewhere else based on the coverage. So how do you balance those things? We're trying to get the ball to your best players, but also making sure you're doing what the play dictates. Right. I think almost every play has a, a progression to it. You know, you got your your first read, your second read, and you typically your check down. So I, I think uh, some of the coaches' thoughts are, are to make that first read certain guys – but at the same time, if he's not there, you got to move on to two. And, and if number two's not there, you got to move on to three. And, you know, if, there, if there's a number four and a number five, you got to keep moving on. So, um, yes, you know, we're trying to get the ball in the playmaker's hands. But as a quarterback, we still have to go to the uh, go through our read and make sure that's that's the right guy to throw to. All right, let's move on to the Dolphins here, and then we'll kind of relate back to some of the stuff uh, with your offense. What are the biggest challenges you see on tape when you watch this Dolphins defense? They just have done a great job with their pressure package. They run um, – the zero blitz more than about anyone I've, I've ever seen since I've been in the NFL, and they've had a lot of success with it, uh, particularly the last couple of weeks. So uh, it's something that 
you know, obviously we, we focused on um, and uh, something that we've prepared for, and they're, they're playing really well. I mean, this past four weeks, uh, they're 4-0, and and, and their defense is, is a big reason why. Now, when you talk about that pressure package, how important is what you guys identify pre-snap as opposed to what you're doing after the ball is snapped? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely both. Um, they force you to get the ball out of their hands. They're going to bring one more than you can block no matter what, and uh, their DBs can hold up with the receivers. So, uh, they're, you know, it limits how much you can do because you have to get the ball out of your hands or else it's going to be a sack. And, uh, and like I said, they just have done a really good, good job with it. And that's not all they do. They, that's part of their, their plan, they're part of their package, but they, they are more than that. And just um, across the board defensively these, these past few weeks, they've been playing at a very high level. So when you see a team play a lot of man-to-man, and especially like the cover zero, they're more than 10%. Like you mentioned, they're tops in the league. The way you get them out of that, is it by beating them over the top with big plays or with the way they play off a little bit in those zero blitz situations, is that not possible? Do you have to go underneath and they get run after the catch? What's the approach to try to get yeah, them out of that? I think it's a little bit of both. You know, it's from their end, it's a high risk, high reward. And, and from our end, you know, you could play a safe and, th- and throw short or you could try to take a chance. But there's also risk involved in that because, like I said, they're going to bring one more than you can protect. And you have to have time to get that ball out. So um, it's kind of the game within the game. Pick your poison. Um, you know, th- th- they realize the weaknesses of the, of the coverage as well, and, and they're smart about it. So, uh, yeah, they just do. A, they're doing a really good job with it. What's your comfort level with the back shoulder throw? Because against tight man, that's a weapon that I think really man to man defenses have trouble dealing with, right? You got a yeah. big guy like Kenny who has the catch radius to do stuff like that. So, how much is that part of what you guys do here in practice, and how comfortable are you with that? Trying to go to guys like Kenny with that back shoulder against man. Yeah, there, there's no defense for the perfect throw, um, but it, you know it's a difficult throw. It's Very hard throw, yeah. And uh, you know, the reality is I haven't got a ton of those reps with Kenny because Daniel's typically getting them. Um, but we were able to get some work in this week, uh, and all those guys really with Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram. You know, those aren't the guys I'm typically thrown into in practice. So uh, it was good to get some some reps with them this week and, and build more of a relationship. How much did you feel your confidence building getting more of those reps in practice this week in preparation for yeah, the game? Yeah, it's it's really been great. You know, played in the Cowboys game, and at that point sure. I hadn't gotten any reps. So it's good to just go through a week of practice. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You hit all the first and second down. You hit the third down. You hit the red zone. Um, just to be out there communicating with the line, working with the receivers, um, it, it's a lot better feeling going into the game. What are the things that you like about this offense and the weapons you have within the offense that makes you think you can make some of those chunk plays against such an aggressive defense? Yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of playmakers, and um, you know that's our job as quarterback is to get the ball in those guys' hands. And, and see what they can do with it. Like we said, it's a high-risk, high-reward defense. Um, and kind of the risky part is if you get the ball to the playmakers and, and they make a guy miss it, it turns into a big play. Obviously, pre-snap, you're making decisions based on the front if you want to check in or out of run plays on certain plays, right? You know, they don't. They run a ton of sub-package. They run, I think, more dime than any other team in the league with only one linebacker out there. Yet their run defense has been very good the last five, six weeks. They bring a lot of guys in the box to show that blitz. So... How do you balance those two things where they're not playing big people, at least behind the defensive line, but they have a lot of guys in the box to know when to check into those runs and when to check out of those runs? I think that's just been a point of emphasis all week is that we need to establish the run game and establish the line of scrimmage. And um, so, you know, whatever personnel they put out there, we needed to do a good job, um, you know, winning the line of scrimmage and establishing the run game. And, 
you know, sometimes kind of what you're getting as they'll have they'll they'll have more men in the box than than we can block, and you might have to throw it, or you know, we might have to run it. So um, it's just part of the game, and you know, like I said, point of emphasis has been establishing that run game. I don't know how far you went back in tape, but have you seen? Maybe the, the, the comfort level is the wrong word, but just the efficiency of this Dolphins defense just get better and better as you went through their film over yeah, the course of sure. the year? They, uh, you know, we kind of have hit on it, and, and it's just evident by the record. But in 4-0 and the last four games, I think they've only given up something like 45 points yeah, over been very good. those games. Um, so I, I have to think that's been the biggest reason why they, they've had the success they've had. Um, obviously, early in the season, I think, you know, they started off one and – I don't know exactly, but they they won their first game, then they lost seven straight. Right, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. so they, and now they've won their last four. So something's changed, something's clicked. Um, but you know, for us, the reality is they're they're playing really well, and you know that's that's who we're playing against versus whatever was happening earlier in the season. You talk about getting the run game going. Can you also try to get Saquon going in the pass game? Because I imagine a heavy blitz team, right? There might be some screen opportunities. You get him in space on a swing pass, one on one with a linebacker. That's a matchup you guys, I'm sure, like. Is that a way to get him going this week in the pass game as well as just trying to run the ball? Yeah, I think any way we can get the ball into Saquon's hands is a, is a win for us, and, and particularly in space, you know, whether that's, you know, breaking through the, with a run and he gets to the second level or it's getting him out on the perimeter in the pass game. So always looking for ways to get him more involved because you see the explosive player that he is and, and you know, the, the – what he brings to our team when, when he uh, can get in the open field. You talk about the chemistry with the receivers and throwing to those guys. How about playing with Billy Price, who obviously wasn't here for a lot of training camp, right? So he kind of got here right at the start of things. And just kind of, you know, getting into a groove with your offensive linemen, especially when it comes to calling out those protections against the blitz so you guys are on the same page. Yeah, we've had a, a lot of good dialogue between Billy, myself, and the rest of the line all week. And, uh, you know, watching film together, out on the field together at practice, um, you know, it's been good to get with those guys and uh, make sure, you know, so to say, we're speaking the same language and we're all on the same page. And then just personally, I know obviously everyone wants Daniel to play. One Daniel to be healthy. No one ever doesn't want him to be out there. But this has got to be exciting for you, right? I mean, you yeah. get to get, you get to get to start a football game. You know, you're smiling. I guess yeah. the big smile on your face. You know, this is why you do it, right? So can you just talk about your emotions and the excitement about having a chance to lead a team this Sunday and, you know, trying to maybe even keep those emotions under control when you do get out there on yeah, Sunday? I think, uh, you know, I've, I've obviously started in the NFL, but for most of my career I've been a backup. But it, it's going to be pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's the New York football Giants. This is, a, you know, a historic franchise and uh, something that I don't take for granted uh, to be a starting quarterback for the, for the New York Giants. Happy you get to do it in the nice warm weather oh, down yeah. there in Florida. Yeah, I would uh, <laughs> definitely prefer, you know, that weather over, over uh, super cold. But, um, you know, I'm sure it's going to be beautiful down there. Absolutely, Mike. A lot of fun. Best of luck against the Dolphins this week. Thanks so much for the time. Yeah, we appreciate it. That's Giants quarterback Mike Glennon. Giant fans, secure your season tickets for the 2022 season today for only $100. Limited seats available. Speak with the Giants ticket representative now and become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. All right, now let's go inside the Dolphins with Joe Shad. He covers a team for the Palm Beach Post. Lance Beno and Paul Dottino spoke to him. The Giants begin a two-game road trip on Sunday as they visit one of the hottest teams in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, who have won four in a row following a 1-7 start. And to get more into Miami, we are now joined by Joe Shad, who covers the team for the Palm Beach Post. Joe, you got Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino here. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How are things on your end? Excellent. 82 degrees and sunny. Couldn't be better. 
Absolutely. Nothing to complain about in terms of Mother Nature. That's why the Giants, I'm sure, are happy that this game is being played in Miami. Well, I want to start with what I just hit on, Joe. And so it's been quite a turnaround for the Miami Dolphins over the last four games, Joe. They've held their opponents to 17 points or less. What exactly has clicked over these last four games, specifically on the defensive side of the ball? What the Dolphins have done on defense is revert to the philosophy and strategy that they were using in 2020 that was so successful when they were one of the best defenses in the NFL. And some of the strategies and philosophies they used in 2019 when they exceeded expectations of what was supposed to be a tank season. It is all about blitzing. It is all about aggressiveness. It is all about con causing confusion for opposing quarterbacks who have been completely on their heels over the last four weeks. They bring players from every position. They are utilizing formations and overloads that are really causing problems for opponents. And they're able to do this because they have two Pro Bowl corners, Davian Howard and Byron Jones, who they totally trust to handle the island man-to-man, one-on-one, no-help, cover-zero scenarios. Well, Joe, let me ask you this. Obviously, if you live by the Blitz, you also die by the Blitz. And you know, I, I look at Howard's numbers, and I believe one of the stat services says he's given up a career-high six touchdown passes already this season. So there have to be opportunities there for the opponent to take advantage of that strategy and actually make the Dolphins pay for it. Yeah, Howard had a couple of bad games, and part of the reason he played poorly in two games in particular is that he wasn't healthy. And so now he's healthy, and now he has regained form. In the history of the NFL... No player, zero, nobody, zilch, quicker to 25 career receptions than Xavier Howard, who is by far their best player and one of the best players in franchise history. So X has gotten himself straightened out. The X is not a problem anymore. He definitely had a few missed opportunities early in the season. Now, Javon Holland, he is the rookie free safety. And early in the season, you would say, well, maybe we can target this guy. No. He is emerging as a potential star player. He can do it all. He can cover. He can hit. He's athletic. He's got instincts. So the Dolphins have one of the very best secondaries in the NFL. It is deep. It is talented. And all of their safeties have corner experience. So, you know, the Dolphins have linebackers with safety experience and safeties with corner experience. This is a team that can really cover Joe, speaking of Javon Holland, who was the second-round pick this year, they also had Jalen Phillips, who they selected in the first round. And I want to turn our attention to him because he's got five sacks in the last four games and seems to be a true X-factor during the course of this winning streak. How much is this a product of him just being much more comfortable in terms of what Josh Boyer is asking him to do within this defensive scheme? Yeah, Phillips is thinking less. He's a very cerebral guy. He's a very smart guy. He's a big thinker. All right, since he's just started attacking the quarterback, much better results. Early in the season, the Dolphins were also asking him to do all kinds of stuff, dropping back into coverage, rushing from the end, rushing from inside. He can rush from multiple positions, standing and hand on the ground, from the defensive end position and also deadly, lethal over guards and centers. This is a guy who, if he can stay healthy, durability and health is a concern, for teams that maybe wouldn't have had him on their board, he, I don't want to say he's going to be Jason Taylor, but he looks the part of like a Jason Taylor-type specimen. That's what this guy looks like. Robbie Leonard, the linebacker's coach, who used to coach for the Giants, 
he said, look, physically this guy reminds me of like a Jason Pierre-Paul. One other thought about the defense, Joe. We're talking about a unit that often is going to use the dime package. You'll see six DBs out there a lot. You're going to see only one linebacker primarily as a full-time backer. And yet they've been okay against the run. Not great, not terrible, but kind of okay. It almost belies the logic when you don't have enough muscle and beef on the field to be able to hold up. The Dolphins have a very good defensive line. Christian Wilkins, the former first-rounder from Clemson, has emerged in his third season as the player the Dolphins thought he could be. Emmanuel Ogba, pending free agent, has continued to be a monster who can both rush the passer and is solid on the edge against the run. The Dolphins even have guys you've never heard of, like Zach Sealer, who they picked up off the Ravens practice squad, I believe, who is statistically one of the very best run stoppers in the entire NFL, and they have this six foot eight, three hundred thirty-five pound monster with the longest arms you've ever seen, named Raquan Davis, who lines up over the opposing center and usually takes two or three people to slow down. Very good defensive line and absolute strength. We're talking with Joe Shad, who covers the Miami Dolphins for the Palm Beach Post. Joe, before we switch gears to the offense, one of the biggest storylines, I think, when you look at both of these teams is the familiarity on both sides. You brought up Rob Leonard, the linebackers coach who was with the Giants. Then you have Joe Judge, Patrick Graham, Josh Boyer, and Brian Flores, who were all together at one point in New England. We've heard Joe Judge talk about how he has a pretty good idea of what Brian Flores wants out of his team. I'm curious from Miami's perspective, how much do they look at it that it's somewhat of an edge that Flores has familiarity as well as Boyer with what Graham and Judge do? Yeah, I mean, you know, it cuts both ways, right? I mean, obviously, Patrick Graham has some idea of what Flores wants to accomplish offensively. A lot of the Dolphins' defensive players are intimately familiar with what Graham wants to get done for the Giants. Jerome Baker, the Dolphins' linebacker, was basically saying, look, it's the same. It's like the same stuff. It's, whether it was Patrick Graham or Josh Boyer or Brian Flores or Bill Belichick, it's the same. So, you know, it's always interesting to see who comes up with more tweaks, who can create some situations where after the game a few of the opposing players actually say, you know what? We didn't expect that. That was different than what we saw on film. And the Dolphins are a team that have improved in each of Brian Flores' three years in the second half of the season. So this is a coaching staff that makes really good adjustments, both in-game and especially as the season progresses. So many similarities, though. I listened to Flores talking about how he wants a tough, smart, disciplined team. I listened to Joe Judge say he wants a tough, smart uh I forget the word, but it's very much like discipline. Uh, basically, they use the same phrases. I mean, they're from the same place. I mean, and these guys have the ultimate respect for each other. Uh, they're, they're, they're friends, but they, you know, I, I heard Flores talking about how uh, he learned certain teaching methods from Coach Joe Judge, who he explained has a Ph.D. in education. Let's talk about the offense, Joe. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa over the two and a half games uh, in, in the last uh, stretch here for the Dolphins seems to have found a rhythm. No sense in boring you with the stats, but the production is there. What is different about him right now than maybe the earlier version before the injuries? Yeah, I mean, he's a little bit healthier, right? So obviously anytime you try to play through a broken rib, that's going to slow you down. You try to play through a broken finger on your left throwing hand, 
that's going to slow you down. Um, you know, Jalen Waddle, the rookie receiver, has gotten better. The Dolphins' offensive line has struggled all season, but it has been slightly better the last two weeks. They'll have a chance against that Dolphins' defensive line. Dolphins should be getting Devontae Parker back this week. That should provide a little boost. Uh, Will Fuller not ready to return. But um, Tunga Bailoa, he's just playing with more confidence, more assertiveness. The Dolphins also had a change in their play-calling structure. George Godsey, now the clear and undisputed primary play caller, early in the season for some bizarre reason, play calls were going through the quarterback's coach, Charlie Fry. It did not work. Flores, realizing it was not working, scrapped the system. That seems to have helped. Joe, you mentioned Parker may return. He's missed the last four games with a hamstring injury, more of a vertical threat. Waddle's having an unbelievable season. If you look at Tua's numbers that Paul was alluding to, to me it's the accuracy, the fact that he's completing nearly 80% of his passes over the last few games. How much are they asking him to take deep shots down the field or more of, hey, get the ball in the arms of the playmakers and let them do a lot of the heavy lifting? How much is it more of the latter than the former based on what you've seen? Yeah, it's all about the run-pass option attack that Tua Tungabailua utilized at Alabama that they're trying to replicate in the NFL. Time will tell if you can win big with the run-pass option offense in the National Football League. They want it to be snap, step throw. I mean, just sudden, so fast. And, uh, you know, a lot of these passes are literally two, three yards. That's the reason why he's completing 80% of his passes. But, you know, they are hoping that they can expand upon the offensive portfolio as things start to evolve. Players get healthier, players get better, they get a little more creative. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's a timing Quick passing offense. You know, I look at Gaskin as a pedestrian runner, Joe, but yet he's very good catching the ball out of the backfield, and we all know what Gasicki is able to do as a receiver as well. Using that short to medium range passing game kind of a little bit as a, as a pseudo run, at least that's the way it looks like from afar. How accurate would that be? Yeah, I mean, somehow the Dolphins have been able to finally top 100 yards rushing in consecutive games this season. They barely got over that threshold, but they did accomplish it, so kudos to them. Um, but, yeah, you know, they added Philip Lindsay, who missed practice uh, on, uh, on Wednesday. So we'll see how healthy Philip Lindsay is. Uh, he's a recent addition who they think can compete with Miles Gaskin uh, for, uh, you know, starter snaps. But... Yeah, the Dolphins have just had a terrible time running. You say, well, why do you even bother at some point? It's been that bad. Joe, before we let you go, I think if you look both at these teams in the face right now, it's sort of a bit of a mirror image because you have two teams whose defenses can work with low-scoring grind-out affairs, two offenses that haven't necessarily lit up the scoreboard. I know you obviously are focusing on the Dolphins much closer than the Giants, but how much would you expect this game to be a low-scoring affair, given there are some, what of a similarity between both of these teams? Yeah, I don't think either team scores over 24 points, certainly you know, not more than 28 points. I think that's the cap. Uh, you know, I think these are two you know, fairly solid defenses and two offenses that are you know, kind of trying to find their way still. Uh, and the familiarity usually uh, somehow leads to a lot of punts, too, so... Hopefully there aren't too many punts, but I, 
I kind of suspect there will be. <laughs> well, it will certainly be interesting as the Miami Dolphins put their four-game winning streak on the line at home against the visiting New York Giants. He is Joe Shad, who covers the team for the Palm Beach Post. Joe, greatly appreciate the time and the insight, and we look forward to Sunday's game. Thanks again. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Thanks guys. That's Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post. Just a reminder... Fans, you can take in all the action of Giants football from your own private suite. Giant Suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants Suite representative now by calling 888-NYG-1925. Also, remember the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. Omicron is coming as well. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself, get vaccinated, visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your healthcare provider. Finally, Bob Papa talks to the head coach of the Giants, Joe Judge. Coach, you got the Dolphins here in Miami, and look, this is a team that's won four in a row. Quarterback has played at a high level, and defensively they're not giving up points. What defensively makes them such a tough matchup? Yeah, pressure, and that's really just Flo's personality. And as long as I've known Flo, you know, the answer to things has always been keep sending more. And you've seen, obviously, as they had a little bit of a streak, uh, or a skit, I should say, early in the season, you know, Flo's answer was, let's start sending more at them. And the pressure's really paid off for them. They're affecting quarterbacks. They're doing a good job putting teams behind the sticks where they can continue to pressure them. And they're taking advantage of opportunities. They've had a lot of turnovers in the last four games, 10, and they're scoring a lot of points off turnovers as well. You look at last week's game against Carolina, you know, really they had 21 points early on. It was off a block punt and two interceptions that set up short drive scores. So you see it how this team's having success. You know, it really all starts with the pressure. They do a good job on the outside. They can play a lot of press man. We expect them to be, you know, on the line of scrimmage, very tight, challenging receivers all day. And then what they do is they load the box and they try to bring one more than you can go ahead and block. When they play their cover zero, where there's truly no help in a deep part of the field, you can tell that because they're all mugged up in the front and they're playing that fence look at about 10 yards off the ball. And basically what they're saying is we dare you to throw the ball because we're going to break and tackle you. And if you hold it, throw it over our heads. That's on the front to go ahead and sack the quarterback. So there's some things you have to do schematically, and you have to make good plays in space to have success against these guys. But, you know, their, uh, their last four games have really been fueled by just that pressure and attack mentality they have as a defense. So that leads to the next question. Obviously, uh, with Daniel Jones out of this game, Mike Lennon not nearly as mobile. But the guy's been in the league since 2013. What's your message to him as he goes into this football game? Yeah, just play the game and take what the defense presents to you. You know, we've got good designs to get some guys some matchups. Don't be afraid to go ahead and put the ball up to a playmaker and let them go make a play for you. But at the same time, we don't have to force it. You know, it's going to be a 60-minute game. We expect this to be a grinded-out type of game. You know, take what they give you. All right, the biggest thing about playing the Dolphins is you got to stay out of bad situations. You don't want to give their op- their offense a short field off something you make a mistake with your offense. So you want to end every drive with a kick an extra point, a field goal, or a punt. You want to make sure that you're always giving it back on your terms and just go ahead out there and play your game. Don't try to force anything, but at the same time, we're not going to be afraid to take our shots when they present themselves. Uh, obviously, Tua over his last two games, you know, he's at 84%. He's been very accurate. You know, 30 attempts in each game. Um, when you take a look at his elevation of his game and he's gotten better, what are some of the things that makes him most dangerous in this game today? Well, I think he's got a very good release as far as getting that thing out. He throws in the tight windows. You know, you really start with Waddle in terms of their go-to guys, and obviously he's a guy that can make a lot of plays, you know, with his feet once you get the ball in his hands. But George Godsey, the offense coordinator, really does a good job of simplifying the offense and allowing him to play fast. And, you know, George is a guy I've worked with in the past. I know how he thinks. Uh, he's very good with quarterbacks in terms of giving them answers pre-snap. He's very good at going ahead and boiling down things and multiples after the snap happens. They can go ahead and play fast. And you see the last four games – that's really where they're settling in right now with two. And they're going back to a lot of the RPOs he ran in college. 
it's a lot more than just it's a lot more of the just pure handoff or pass. Different than last week we saw with Hurts, uh, where there was the handoff run or pass element of it right there. But they've been very effective with it as an offense. You mentioned Waddle. Um, obviously, he's been really talented. In 12 games, he's got 77 catches. Uh, he had an explosive game last week. When you study him, what's the attribute about his game that really impresses you? Speed is definitely the thing that jumps out with him. Uh, he's very, very competitive, very competitive. And you can see that in terms of how he competes for the ball and really makes a lot of contested catches. I think the thing that really stands out to me, though, at this point is his ability to make big plays in tough situations. And when you play in the slot, which he does a lot, that's a position that typically takes some time in the NFL to really go ahead and develop the understanding of how the defense are playing because those routes are not just always as simple as following a line on a piece of paper. You've got to go in there and understand where the space in the defense is, how to go ahead and get in there and be on the same page as the quarterback. Obviously, they've done a good job of using them, and he's done a good job getting on the same page as Tua. They've got a little bit of history together, so that's probably helped as far as them starting fast together. But ultimately, you know, they're playing a different offense, and they're doing a good job being productive. Finally, you got some guys nicked up on the defensive secondary side of the ball, but you get Logan Ryan back. How important is that to kind of stabilize things for you? Yeah, look, it's it's really good having Logan back out there with us. Um, you know, obviously the communication is the strength of what he brings. I think the other guys, Zay and Julian, have done a really good job in the last you know week or so. You know, J.R. Reed as well getting out there as far as getting on the same page. So I feel we've gotten better in the secondary the last few weeks, which is ironic to say with some of our one of our best players out of the game. But you know, Logan's done a really good job jumping back in this week and working together with the secondary. Coach, best of luck. Thank you. That's Giants head coach Joe Judge. We thank him, Joe Shad, and Mike Glennon for joining us on this Giants-Dolphins preview edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. As a reminder, you can find the Giants Huddle Podcast at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, your favorite podcast platforms. Find the subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. Please do a five-star positive review. If you have friends that are Giant fans, please tell them about the podcast. For our guest and Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino, and Bob Papa, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you next time on the Giants Huddle. Have a great weekend.